Talks with your host Natalie, and I'm here with my friend Virginia. How are you doing, Virginia? I'm doing well this evening. Uh, finally, it's Friday. I know, right? <laughs> ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> so today on Taboo Talks, we're gonna have a really intense, deep conversation about depression and mental health. So Virginia, her background is what's your background? So I completed my undergraduate degree in nutrition, which is unrelated to mental health, but in many ways still very much related. Um, and I completed my graduate degree at Harvard Graduate School of Education in adolescent psychology. And I currently am a counselor who is also in pursuit of my school psychology degree at Fordham. So basically, Virginia is like an ace at everything. <laughs> she's amazing and she's such a good friend for just coming on here and taboo talks basically is about like trying to unveil these taboos that we have in society so whether it be talking about things like mental health or even just talking about female hygiene um, these are things that we kind of talk to each other about like in hiding or like mm -hmm. yes. as in, you know in Spanish we say confianza which is like in confidence mm -hmm. um, but mental health is one of these things that is has such a good bad connotation. I think it's like you're either cuckoo or you're crazy, like if there's something wrong with you, if you say mental at all, um, that's the connotation that is related to it. Um, and I kind of wanted to bring this up to light because right now it is winter and it's winter in New York, which means it's really gray. And a lot of people um, suffer with depression and seasonal affective disorder, which I actually suffer from. and. I was just talking to Virginia a couple of days ago about how I completely shut down from everyone. Like the only person that I could talk to were like maybe two immediate family members and my boyfriend who's my partner and we live together. So he was lucky because we live with each other. But um, my experience was I started to feel really down and this was like probably the worst bout of depression that I've dealt with in a very long time. But um, it's just one of those things where you want to tell people, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to engage, but if you tell them that you're depressed, they're like, well, it's just it's just a funk, you're just or going even, through something. Or even if you don't tell them that you're depressed, but you just say, I don't feel up to it, or I'm kind of down, it's like, but just calm, just, it, it's like, you, it, they never honor how you feel. Exactly. And so they, and it kind of aggravates the feeling even, or intensifies the feeling even more. Yeah, it makes me want to detach even more. Like, yeah. I was getting text messages um, and messages via social media and I just was like, I don't want to be on social media because what I'm seeing, I don't want to be a part of. Even if someone's inviting me out, I don't want to be a part of it. And it's not because of the person, it's just that's just the feeling I was in and it's almost hard to explain unless another person's been through it because even for my partner he was even though he was tremendously helpful um he wasn't getting it either like for him it was really hard because he was like well you know sometimes you're down and when I'm down you always bring me up so I'm here to bring you up and I'm like babe it's not bringing me up it's like <laughs> literally I don't want to come out of bed I I'm almost to the point where I don't want to take a shower, and that's like a huge red flag for depression when you, your hygiene has kind of gone to like the wayside. Um, and I don't want to go to work, but I have to because I got to put food on our table. So it was all these elements of just not wanting to engage with society, um, and it was really hard 
it was to the point where I was getting these crazy migraines and I had to go to the, like the doctor because I was like, I don't know what's going wrong. I think I have a tumor. Like I was just coming up with all these horrible negative scenarios because that's the space that I was in. Um, but luckily I'm fine. Um, but well, I, sorry to interrupt, no, but no, I really love that you're bringing this up as a taboo discussion uh, because it is. I mean, even though everyone uses the term depression, it's, there's it's it's been such a taboo disc, uh, conversation or topic for so long that now we use terms like oh I'm depressed but people don't actually have either solutions or real mechanisms to actually support so the intention might be there but then the result is you further want to detach and isolate oh God, which yeah. is already a symptom of depression to begin with and so you react even further into the depression based off of people's you know reaction to hearing about depression because in the end it's not something that we fully understand as a society and we know it's out there we see um, there's such a rise especially in the US and especially developed countries and nations with uh, depression hence why uh, the pharmaceutical companies have you know made profited a lot from uh, medications for depression but why is there such a steady incline of depression? And why is it something that we still don't know how to talk about? I mean, I myself, I'm in the profession of mental health and professionally I can talk about it, but personally it's not something that, you know, we talk in confianza, no. but it's not something that, you know, we can talk to anyone about as comfortable as I am in my professional, you know, in the professional world. That's something, isn't it? It is totally something. and just for our listeners, just so you guys know, our backgrounds, we're both Dominican, and just coming from Hispanic households, it's mm -hmm. it's very difficult to talk about, I think, mental health issues, because I don't know why, especially in minority backgrounds, it's like a very taboo topic. It doesn't, we don't even have the language. There's, I mean, yeah, it's I, like, we speak Spanish, of course, and when I was pursuing this degree and I decided I wanted to work with Spanish-speaking populations, I had to learn terminology for this field that I was never taught. I never knew. I never knew how to, how to say these words. You know, how do you say attachment in Spanish? How do you say, like, mental, you know, developmental? Uh, it, it, there was so much language that I had to learn in order to be a bilingual clinician. And uh, the only context that, <laughs> this is gonna be uh, crazy, but yayo, what do we think of when somebody says, yeah. oh, yayo, that's a crisis. Yeah. But that's a highly unprofessional <laughs> way to say crisis yeah, in like, Spanish. Yayo basically, <laughs> which is, I guess, spelled Y-E-Y-O. Um, it's not, or it, is, it's, it is spelled some, somewhere else. I think it's slang. It's I mean, a it's, slang it's, word. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's just like, it's like, you, it's like a conniption, like, oh, she had a conniption, like, uh, yeah, you were like, she, like, she lost her shit, like, she, yeah, she lost her mind, she lost her mind, um, and I guess the severity of you is like, but it can be, like, you're making fun of somebody having lost their mind, or it can be something severe, severe. but still, there's never, well, what's the follow-up to a yayo? I've never heard of. I've never heard anything. Like I guess I've that person had a yayo and that's it. They just kind of like oh they had a yayo and died essentially. <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, because mm -hmm. um, depression is not funny. Although you have to find these moments of humor, because for me, like 
I've always dealt with like life in a humorous lens because I, that's the only way I can cope. So, well, it's a coping. It's, it's a, a like it's a bad thing. Yeah, and not that I'm not humorous or like making fun of other people, but just these small things that make life life. Um, the the yayo, like what does happen? What is the follow up? I I don't know. Like, well, in the Latino community, or at least it, I shouldn't say happens. that in our household, we didn't know follow up. Now we know what follow up looks like. Um, well, first of all, if one is at, at risk, immediate at risk, they need immediate follow-up. And so any safety concern, if somebody reports hurt, wanting to hurt themselves, someone else, someone else hurting them, you have to, you know, they have to get a psychiatric evaluation. And that sounds like, what do you think of when you hear psychiatric evaluation? Like in a padded room. <laughs> and I think that's why there's such a negative connotation when you just say the word mental. Because it's like, for such a long time, it's like, oh, someone's gone mental. Or, you know, even like saying someone's gone postal <laughs> like you know it's almost one of the same um where it's just like or it sounds like oh sorry no yeah, yeah where you've just been so overworked that you just you've broken yourself to the point where you, you've gone crazy um well from the adolescent population the moment you uh, mention psychiatric evaluation it's like oh my god i'm crazy i'm gonna be locked up in a yeah. hospital you think of like one of those like um what are those? The straight jackets? Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't which know. Which doesn't exist anymore, by the way. Oh, it doesn't? Okay. No, it's illegal. Okay, that's good to know. Because <laughs> I have no idea uh, what goes on the psychiatric like, ward. That's illegal, and it's not how it used to be. Um, unfortunately, there is such a legacy of trauma and oppression in mental health, and part of that was when, you know, back in the days, people didn't understand, and in many ways, even current days they still don't understand but back in the days um in like the 60s 70s they used to lock up people uh not knowing you know what to do with them they would isolate them from the society and unfortunately a lot of abuse and maltreatment happened That's so, and crazy. so a famous reporter went in uh checked themselves in as, oh i've heard of that right this yeah. was this famous and after that it was you know the media went crazy and uh, it became illegal. You can't have those kinds of institutionalized care. So, and I mean, that's like the last thing that people need. Absolutely. And when you're in that state, in that fragile state, is to be separated from sight and put in a tiny, like, well, how four do you by learn how to function in regular society if you're not given the opportunity to learn how to do that? That's, yeah, that is, I'm glad that's illegal and that's not <laughs> the way that things go now. Um, but to actually reference something that you had told me earlier before about, like, honoring your feelings um before prior taping we were just talking about like our really crazy (laughs) work weeks and um which it's only been four days of work (laughs) i know it's president's day week and like we had monday off so we only have four days a week with it but it felt like the longest week (laughs) of our lives it felt like i was working six days and it's only been four and i'm so glad it's over but um no definitely honoring your feelings is a completely for some people, foreign. Like, that's a foreign yeah. concept of... What does that look like? What does that what look does it like? Mean? Exactly. And when I was depressed, mm-hmm. like, a couple weeks ago, and I was deep in it, mm-hmm. I had to honor that I felt low and that I felt not so great about myself and that I wanted to cry at the drop of a hat and that I wanted to... Luckily, I didn't, wasn't in a space where I was suicidal, thank God. 
I didn't get to that point ever, but I was just still feeling almost worthless and like not worthy of of all the great stuff that's been happening, you know, in my life. But but this good stuff and even honoring the bad because you you have to balance both. You can't always get good. You have to also have bad and just realizing that um, I just wasn't in the best headspace and I had to realize that so that I could come out of it and to actually go to a doctor and be like, hey, this is happening. I'm not feeling well. What can I do about this? I think that honoring um, my feelings or honoring your feelings is something that for sure was a foreign concept to me because it's not something even, you know, even with my clinical training, you're not, when you say honoring your feelings, that's, um, that's like a sub branch of counseling, right? And so, and it's integrated in like spirituality and holistic forms of practicing and meditative practices. And so um, it wasn't super embedded in my practice as far as when I used to work with uh, students in a counseling capacity. I mean, I still work with them, but my, yeah. what I'm saying is my style has evolved based off of my own experience. But um, maybe I'll share it at some point when we <laughs> yeah. get there. But um, what honoring my feeling now looks like was, well, yesterday, which I told you about. Uh, we had an event. A really good friend of ours was having an awesome pop-up event. And as much as I wanted to go to it uh, in mental form, I really, really wanted to go. Physically, I knew that I could not, I needed to honor that I, I, was, I had had a tough day. Um, and so, so, somewhat less a tough week, but a really tough and challenging, emotionally draining day. And so without judgment, I, and I had to be comfort, become comfortable with saying I can't go. And that that didn't make me a bad friend. It didn't yeah. make me a bad person. Um, and that I could still be a supportive friend because I think the worst is going to a space and not really being the real friend that I, I, I can be in yeah. that moment. And so what I did instead was go to a yoga class, actually a meditative yin-yang yoga class, <laughs> and it was all about balance. And it was like, I was meant to be in that class because everything that the teacher uh, was guiding us in our practice was really hitting and resonating with me about what I had been through and how to recalibrate myself again. I mean, I, I felt like a million bucks when I left That's that class. amazing. Right, but I didn't always uh, honor my feelings. I mean, this is... How do you even say that in Spanish? Yeah, I like. We've never been taught any of this. Like, like honor. Been sad. I don't know. No. Think about your feelings. It's an expression in English that we can use, but you know, if anyone knows the Spanish expression, or we will research that after. <laughs> well, let us know. Um, besides the yayu part. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's always the, the name for the negative, but never the name right. for the positive. You don't embrace, or even. Part of honoring your feeling, maybe it's not. It's I think it it is a positive, but it's it's part of the solution. Yeah, we don't know this. You know, as a whole, we don't focus on the solution. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, and I but think that's we, why we're here. Yeah, that's why we're here. We're discussing this because it just even if it's just us talking about depression, there's like a whole spectrum, right? And there's so many people drowning in silence. Yeah. I used to be, one, I was one of them. This is why this is so important to me. I mean, from a professional and really personal, I mean, you you know, because I've opened yeah. up to you about it, but this was something that I really didn't open up to anyone about. 
how can somebody who's in the mental health field be plagued by something like this? You know, I should, I should know. You know, that's those were the negative yeah. thoughts that were informing and keeping me in a depressed state and mood. And uh, uh, yeah, so it, we need to demystify all of that because people drown in silence. And for a long time, I was believing that negative reality that was being created by my depressed mood, by my negative mood, that negative state. And it's awful because you isolate yourself and that's also part of the problem. How can you find a solution when you're not communicating? You're not, you know, you're, it's almost like you're a chicken without a head. Yeah. How do you navigate life like that? Yeah, I mean, and yes, and, and we've had these conversations and, and at length um, about just how our feelings are feeling. Yeah. Um, and, and you had a really tough year last year and thank goodness, yeah. you know, knock on wood, we're in 2018 and we're like, we've turned over the chapter and we're hopefully better people for it. Um, Not hopefully, we are. We are, we are, yeah. I can confidently you, say you that. You could confidently say that. <laughs> and I'm getting there too. It's um, a process. It is completely a process, but if you want to like, you know, elaborate on your process, yeah. how you got out of your depressive state and yeah. what was the thing that like just snap your finger like that was a click in your mind that was like I need to change yeah. something um it's such a this is a, such a nuanced kind of question because it's such a long answer I think that the real how did I come out of it I mean I think it took I'm 29 years old and I think it took 29 years to get out of it I so let's going back to the context of my childhood I remember being young, I don't remember the age, I must have been somewhere around seven to 10 years old, uh, actually even like five to 10. And I remember having told my parents at one point, like, I wanna kill myself. Being that young, I like remember saying it. And I remember my parents, my mom was like, snap out of that like you can't say those things and like I got in trouble for it I got punished for saying something like that and my by both of my parents and of course it was in Spanish but um, you know it, it, I got in trouble and so I remember being so young and um, developmentally naive like I can't think this way because I will get in trouble that's bad like at that at that point in your stage of life you really um, it's like somebody tells you this, you believe it, you don't really critically think about what it really means to you. So I, I just remember suppressing and like never thinking about that again. Like, okay, I can't think this way, right? And so I move on across the years that, you know, of my life, you know, I, as normal development, but I had a, like stages of ups and downs. You know, our emotions yeah. are very much roller coaster-ish. And I had a lot of mood swings or like was in, you know, mood, you know, some days were highs, some days were low. This is New York City. Um, Excuse <laughs> the, the sirens in the background. <laughs> we are in New York City. Well, it, no, it's appropriate. Yeah, we're I mean, talking about uh, internal chaos and there's external chaos exactly. too. So, um, you know, so I remember like, you know, being very reactive in my behaviors, actually how I responded to chaos, like 
Um, and, and so anyway, I'm, I'm setting the scene because all of this, I think, played a role in getting to where I got in the past two years, which was um, really uh, in, a, in a depression. And what that looked like for me was dragging out of bed. I would wake up and I would, would remember feeling so discontent with myself, discontent with life kind of like what's like as soon as the alarm went off it was like oh my gosh why like I didn't want to wake up right but it wasn't to that point of like I really don't want it was a gradual uh incline of those feelings and so it just started off with the general like I'm just eventually I became robotic in my routine and I stopped finding value in things in life. And so it kind of morphed, it, it continued to evolve. And then it, um, I didn't want to be around people. I wanted to, I, I'm actually an extrovert, you know this, and yeah. I didn't want to be around people. I, I would get invited to all these things and I like would decline or make something up to not have to go to these things. And then I would feel bad, I would be self-deprecating and like, why don't, why don't I want to go? So I would be so self-defeating about why I didn't want to go. And then it became my weekends. I would just stay in. I didn't want to leave my home. I would only leave my home to walk my dog and just come back. And again, I was functioning so robotically. And I guess the hardest part of all of that was I didn't know that I was, you know, getting into a depression. I had, you know, I have worked excellently in this field for so this is now what my sixth year in the field and i couldn't recognize these signs you for almost couldn't like self-diagnose yourself i was, could you not i could not it was, it was really um it was really hard for me to see these things as something other than part of who i just naturally was because i think as I was earlier setting up this context, I think there were parts of me that exhibited those kinds of behaviors, yeah. but not to the full extent where it started to affect my social functioning. Um, and I never, I just wanna be clear that as I'm explaining how bad it got for me, the outside world would never know that it was that bad for me because I was so high functioning. In fact, I've always been so high functioning and that's the problem. So at work, I mean, it never affected my ability to do my job well it never affected my ability to you know pay my bills and even you know get out of bed my hygiene I mean I was so high functioning that I didn't know myself that I was in this state wow yeah I mean not to not to interrupt no but please I imagine there there like we were saying before that there's such a large spectrum of depression of course um and not only I mean women do get it like twice as like right, I think the the rate is twice as high than men. Well, the data shows that men that women do get it twice as high. But remember, um, just like the data shows that men get diagnosed with behavioral disorders yeah, twice as much, much as women. Exactly. So how much of that is underreported, skewed, you know, bias? So I just want to. I have to <laughs> yeah, throw, <laughs> that have to throw that out there. Throw that out there. No, most definitely. Um, but I was just gonna say, like, men also get depressed and. Of course. Of course, right? Because they're also human beings. Um, and even, like, pregnant women. Like, I've, I've had friends who, right after having children, they get postpartum, and they're like, yeah. I was happy my whole nine months, and then the kid came out, and I did not know what to do with myself. I was so saddened. And I feel like 
in a way, depression is almost like you're, for at least for me, I felt in this, this recent time, like I was in mourning. Yeah. Um, like I was in this deep feeling of mourning and I didn't know what I was mourning. Yeah. And I guess looking back, it's just like, I, I guess I was like mourning myself as in like I wasn't being myself like I was mourning wow. for <laughs> that's so deep <laughs> like mourning the, the person that I was and that I wasn't going to be at this very moment like wow. I was just so sad and that I wasn't the cheerful person that I usually am and the person that people are usually texting for their own problems because yeah. I usually yeah. get texts up the wazoo from everybody or calls like hey this is occurring this is happening in my life blah 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 and I'm usually the person who Res- not resolves people's problems, but I always give like, you know, helpful feedback. You're on the rec- the helpful end of like problems. Yeah, I'm always on the receiving end of like what people are going through, and I always right. like try to reciprocate with some sort of helpful, insightful right. thing for someone to, you know, go forward. And usually yeah. it helps. Like I'm not a psychologist, but I, I just I just want to be that person, that friend, right. if someone needs to rely on. And I think. Like I was saying, I was in the morning. I was just like, I don't want to be that like, person. Like, who am I? Yeah. Because it's, it's like you lose yourself. Completely Your lost. sense of self, your sense of being. And it's like, who can, who do I talk to about this? And, like, I, I didn't... Again, I was so high-functioning, and I thought that this was normal. Like, it became part of just my natural existence, even though it felt so awful. And for me, the breaking point or the changing point in my life was... I had been in a relationship that ended because I was so up and down, you know, my feelings oscillated so much and were so negative driven towards this individual. And although he knew, um, he actually was the one who would always say, you know, I I think you might be depressed. And I would, of course, get so offended by that. Like, how dare you say that? See, that's another thing. It's like if someone tells you that you feel depressed or that, you know, I've, I've noticed that you feel a little, you look a little down or whatever. We all of a sudden are just like defensive. Well, mine, see, yours was, your depression, it sounds like, was more of a mourning. Mine was more of an anger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was holding on. I, it's like, no, I'm not depressed. I'm just in a bad, I'm hungry or I'm in yeah. a bad mood or like, leave like me alone. Yeah. Like, no. And like, he could see something that I could not see because I was so in my body. I was so in that moment, right? I couldn't see beyond that because. You're, when one is in that state of mind, you're looking at the world through negative lens. And so that's the problem. I was looking at things from a negative place and to the point where I couldn't see any uh, beauty to the relationship that I was in. I mean, the things that we should have been celebrating together, I, was, I found something to be upset about. And um, when that ended, I was obviously very uh, saddened and heartbroken, but I also understood that I started to recognize some of the things that he had talked about, and I recognized, you know, a breakup can do really marvelous things because oh you're self, <laughs> you re- it's such a reflective period, and so I was able to start noticing the things that he would respectfully just point out, but I wasn't in a place then to hear it, um, I started to see it for myself. So. It became, I need to save myself because I never want to engage in or be the person who's so dysfunctional in a relationship because he was actually the first person who was 
really healthy in terms of um, the way he processed life and information and like I mean he had such a healthy mind and uh, a healthy way of living and so to see that it was it became like well why can't I have that for myself and why what's so it became a whole like wait a minute wait a minute what's happening and the more that I started to then take risks in talking to professionals about it that's you know the more I, I realized wow this is this is that. I mean, it wasn't easy, I'll tell you. It wasn't easy to, to hear it. I mean, I remember there was this, so I saw two different therapists. The first one wasn't a good fit, but I will say that she um, identified. She's like, well, it sound, uh, you sound like you might be depressed. And I was like, no. I was ready to diagnose myself with every other mental health disorder, like borderline personality, you know, a mood disorder, that wasn't, you know, everything but depression. I was like, no, no, it's, this is more anger related. And, and, and she was like, and then when she started to say the symptoms that are aligned with depression, I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. But I mean, at that point, I, she wasn't, she wasn't really attuned to my needs, my emotional needs. So I appreciated uh, that she pointed me in a good direction, but then I found a different therapist who was really attached, um, not attached, attuned to my needs, right? So she she knew she was on my, uh, the journey was mine and she was just guiding it, if that makes sense. She wasn't pushing me. She, wasn't, awesome. she was so sensitive to my needs and that made all of the difference. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, therapy does wonders. Um, I done therapy probably three different times in life. Mm -hmm. um, first time was, I was basically pushed by my family to do therapy after my mom passed away when I was 19. And um, because I guess I was just, for them, I wasn't processing. Like I looked, I didn't look like I was grieving enough. Um, and so- That's I, interesting. Yeah. You didn't, so they, you, you were referred for therapy because you didn't look like you were mourning enough. I think my sure. aunt was just really worried for me because I was, uh, everyone was here in New York City mm -hmm. um, and I was living in Arizona at the time. And so she, I think I like, this was in the early days of Facebook <laughs> or maybe MySpace, I don't remember. Some type of social media tool. <laughs> this was many moons ago. Oh um, but I think I posted a picture of myself mm -hmm. and I had like sunglasses on and I was just like pos posing against a wall with some jeans on, some heels. I wasn't smiling. I was. I was just like you know, looking cute, and like thought I looked cute. I think my sister. My sister is. She's a detective. She's an invest. Let's just say she's a detective, and she likes to pry a little bit. And so she <laughs> saw that picture and said something to me, and they're like, "Oh no, there is something wrong with her. She needs to go see a psychologist." So I go see a therapist, and it was an amazing experience. I definitely got to delve into my feelings and how I felt about my mom not being around anymore. Um, it was very, like my wounds were very fresh. It was just after it had happened. So um, there was still a lot of things that were open in, you know, these wounds were open and they were still oozing out blood. Um, mm. And so with the therapy, I was able to heal those wounds. Um, and of course, whenever you lose a parent, whenever you lose someone who you're very close to, those wounds are scabbed, but they're still not completely healed. 
Well, I think um, that not just a, a wound from a loss. I think that's all wounds. wounds. Yeah, they're just, you know, they're scabbed over lightly, but anything could pick at it and like, open it again, you know? Of course. Um, they're definitely not scarred. Um, well, and then one has to learn to make room for those losses or traumas or negative experiences. Um, like healing doesn't mean that it just looks one way and that's it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm fine and that's it. Like, no, it means your whole life you're healing, but maybe you won't exhibit, you know, this form of depression or depressed state, but you will have things that, you know, will be, will, like yesterday I was in my feeling, but that doesn't mean I was depressed. I just, I knew what I needed to do to, you know, to feel, to feel better. better yeah. And it, 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 it wasn't, even though I was in my feeling yesterday, it wasn't ever like the way that I used to be before. And so to me, that's a sign of ha having healed enough to get to this point where I can handle my emotions as they go, you know, as they react to yeah. or as they respond to our environment or our life experiences. Most definitely. Um, but back to your <laughs> experience of <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, you know, having... Having, uh, yeah, having guys. gone through uh, therapy through so many times. And then the, sec the second time was in college. Um, what on campus, most campuses have, you know, if you go through the social work building, you go... Um, the mental health building yeah. um, and so I spoke to someone there a counselor um, it was right before I was going to graduate and I was having major anxiety um, and I wasn't sleeping I was becoming insomniac and I was like there's something up I'm not sleeping um, I'm like doing well in school but it was just something was keeping me up at night and it was to the point where I wasn't able to function wow. um, like I was still going to class and doing work but I was like I was not all there. So I went to the counselor. I was like, there's something up. I don't know what it is, but I need, <laughs> I need help. And she was like, yeah, sure. So we, we had a couple of, um, of, you know, sessions and it was amazing because she basically like pinpointed, she was like, so you're having anxiety and you're having all these like episodes of you not sleeping because you are afraid of transitions. Mm. And I was like, she nailed uh, it in that okay. many sessions. Well, yeah, I went for like three months, but <laughs> oh, wow. like yeah. once a week. Yeah. And I was like, transitions. And she was like, she's like, think back to each time that you've had a large transition in your life. And what were your um, responses to that? Mm. So I was like, okay, when I was originally going to college, I had a breakdown. Okay. That, that makes sense. Um, when my mom passed away, it's a huge transition. Mm. I breakdown. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, right now I'm graduating college and trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> okay, that, I, I think it's all valid. And going on and yeah. like, like even after that, now I like self-evaluate. I'm like, okay, something major is happening. Mm -hmm. Like from breakups, those transitions, from, you know, moving from place to place. The, I always feel like my feelings are a little heightened or I have a little more anxiety or I feel, not anxiety, we're just mildly anxious and I kind of like tune into that and I like nip in the bud I'm like okay I feel a certain way what can I do to change that um but yeah well, we're we're romantic I don't want to say we're romanticizing but it's when you're experiencing it 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 feels like there's no end to it like as much as people can share these techniques it's like but how do I exactly them? like I just want to be frank about it because I remember being so frustrated in the beginning like 
what do you mean observe yeah. and sit with my feeling? It feels awful. Like I remember having those like bouts of like well frustration, straight yes. up frustration. Oh my gosh. But actually that's all part of the process. You have to experience that. You have to because it's kind of like having doubt. You know how for some people we yeah. can use religion as a as an analogy like having de- it's usually the mo- the people who have the most doubt who end up becoming the most uh, religious in their practice you know because they're they explore they do the research they dig deep <laughs> they do <They're> like <laughs> undeter- they become that detective because that's what the doubt is doing to them it's like i refuse to just accept this i need to explore and figure this out and that was me it was like i know there there was something about me that knew that well i, I had met people who had gone through this and who well, by meeting people, I meant uh, the guy that I was in a relationship with. So I knew if he could overcome it and become to that, you know, stable, healthy. But when I mean stable, including the ups and downs, but stable, like mentally healthy, it was like, I need to get there. And I won't accept this as the only way because, yeah. you know, it, that felt like death. That was like, how can anyone enjoy living like a robot? And what was so crazy was like everything in my life had been great. It was everything that I had been had worked for, and I achieved it. You know, I achieved. I was living the life that I always wanted. Except when I got there, um, and I was in it, I I never anticipated having to deal with this. So it was really challenging and. People are really, myself included, I, as much as, you know, yeah. say I'm, pu- I'm putting everything, I'm like at most vulnerable um, uh, because even though I was in the, pro- even though I'm in the profession, seeking services for myself was such a challenge. Like I, right, because I know what I'm looking for. I, ch- I pride myself in, you know, being a really great counselor who's attuned and constantly challenging myself to evolve in my practice and in my skills. But it's like, how do I know somebody else is putting this amount of effort? You know, you get, truth is, you go to school, colleagues look at things differently. So you start to, like, well, how do I find someone for what I'm looking for? And I, as I mentioned, I almost got very discouraged because the first person I found, she was a little too rough around the edges. And so um, it wasn't my preferred style where someone's, like, cutting me off or being too aggressive and, like, this is what you have and like pushing, pushing. It's like, whoa, part of the issue is that I do placate a lot of people and I now I'm feeling like I have to placate you. This isn't helpful. So I had to, you know, be okay with terminating that, but knowing that I didn't internalize it, it was hard not to, but I (laughs) didn't internalize it eventually, um, you know, got over that and was like, okay, I'm on the path again to find someone else who, could potentially help me with yeah. this process because I I was drowning by myself and where I was it was like quicksand getting deeper and deeper and that's that a great analogy because sometimes sometimes we have a hold on the ground so like our feet are both even though we're in it yeah. we're in that depression yeah. our or that melts <clears throat> that meltdown or mental health you know crisis mm-hmm. our feet are still planted on the ground. Yeah. But once that quick, like if you're stepping on quicksand real quick and you're trying to just run across, sometimes you get stuck and you start to sink. And either there's 
a twig or a branch that you can like hold on to so you don't like go all the way down or oh there's a helping gosh. hand or sometimes you Wait just a get minute. swallowed I totally forgot about do you remember did I ever tell you about the panic attack that I had I think I told you about it um when I had gone to see the John Leguizamo show um, oh my god so last was it last yeah it was some I think it was sometime last year a year and a half ago I had gone with my sister and my oh, yeah, cousin you and, and you we had heart palpitations wait a minute right so this is actually this was part of so I had at that point I had stopped with the first therapist and when that happened I was like wait a minute my body couldn't be any more clear like you need you, you yeah. need to seek help because again I high functioning I'm you know we make plans we buy tickets to go see the show uh, at the public theater we go get drinks we're having such an amazing time the three of us uh, after the show, the show was excellent. The uh, you know history of Latin America for morons. Um, I chopped the the word of the the title of the show, but it was so good. So we left that show so in, like reinvigorated, so validated. We decided to go to this really nice restaurant in like Tribeca to have drinks and and get food. And out of right before the dessert, um, I start to feel like my chest really heavy and mind you I have never had a panic attack again I work in it I know how to identify it for other people but I'm like God, I'm like guys I'm not feeling too well I'm, I'm gonna go to the bathroom and they're like Virginia are you okay I'm like I don't I don't know so I go to the bathroom really nice bathroom lock myself in and at that point it was like I was like a fish out of water gasping for air and I was like holding the walls and like trying not to, it, it was the craziest, that is most awful. awful experience. And it probably lasted like 30 seconds, but it felt like two minutes or two hours. And it was like, oh my gosh, I, if there had been a video camera in there, I wonder, I mean, it's illegal to happen, <laughs> but I like really want to look back and see myself from the outside in because what it, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, in one and I want to say thank goodness I did that I reacted that way in the bathroom and not in public but it was like I was gasping for air like my chest was caving in and I I come out of the bathroom like as if I had experienced some paranormal activity yeah. and my look I look like I saw a ghost and they're like are you okay and I was like I, I think I, I almost had a heart attack I have to go so I, I go outside, I really thought I had a heart attack. Or I was, it was like, that's what I thought. I was like, my body is declining. Something is happening to my heart because it was all in my chest area. And uh, when I got outside, the wind, the air, I felt a little better. So I was just like, oh my gosh. I like, it, it was yeah, it was <laughs> winter, spring time and I was like taking layers off I was like taking my coat off I just needed that air and it wasn't until we were halfway from the train from Tribeca to Belper West Side I was like oh my gosh I think that was a panic attack and when my sister's also she's a social worker and I described everything we we're like oh my gosh yes like that's what it was and and again that's when I went back on my path of all right I gotta find some, like I had never had one, and again, I had been living my whole life with these ups and downs, but to experience that, it was again, a waking up, it's crazy, we react to wake, you know, crisis, to our body having to say like, what is it going to take for you to listen to me? Yeah. 
No, completely. Again, excuse the sounds in the background. There's a bus that's passing by, <laughs> letting people off. <laughs> um, but that, just feeling that, and I can just imagine being in that moment. I mean, I've had panic attacks myself, and it is not pretty, and it does not feel good. Um, but it's it's so interesting when you know, as a professional, how to identify it, but you couldn't identify it in the moment to be like, Virginia, wake up, you're having a panic attack, it's right. okay, just take deep breaths, you know. No, I mean, I... It's so, it's so well, interesting, right? Well, I had been right? out having a great Good time. time. Yeah. Nothing had happened to trigger it in yeah. my life that we, I mean, I couldn't, so like, no, I thought in that moment I internalized it as a medical, like, I'm going to have to go to the emergency room because I think I'm having a heart. I really thought it was a heart-related, like, a valve, something happened oh to my, my aortic valve or something. And it really wasn't until I was, you know, halfway through Manhattan coming uptown that it was like, oh shit, I think it was a panic attack. But I never had had a history of it. So it was like, that's, that wasn't the first yeah. thing. Again, because I wasn't, as much as you're trained to view mental health on other people and, and are a professional in that world, somehow for myself, I mean, it just wasn't something culturally I was taught to do. You don't look inward. You don't reflect about these things you just function and I think you know we're at the age where our parents um, you know their generation of course didn't acknowledge and silenced everything they just had to function and you had to suppress everything and a lot of our generation we were instilled that yeah so it's I think, passed down well it's passed down and and yet we're in that middle generation. Now we see the adolescents more, they're, at, they're the opposite of our generation where they feel everything and they're, they're in crisis earlier on. Our generation, we see that more happening. We see the decline or the mental health breakdowns or the anxiety and the panic attacks. We see it more in the either college or the 20s, you know? Yeah. The, because again, you just, you, you just with blinders look in life like, yeah, this is hard, but I got to keep moving. I have to do this. I have to do this. You don't stop to focus on yourself. And I didn't have, it got to a point where I didn't have a choice. It was like, as much as I tried to just keep moving forward, things were reminders that I wasn't okay. So I, I got to the point that I had to just respond. It was like, I don't know where to begin, but this is where I know I have to begin. And from that, I got introduced to so many different ways of integrating to cope yeah i mean yeah. Let's, let's talk about that um before we we end this session um just if you are in that particular place in a dark spot um yeah. how do you cope like i mean it, there's different modalities for different people and different different ways to cope with depression there's um most definitely if you are thinking of going on antidepressants you go and talk to your doctor and then They'll talk to you about that. Um, but there's other ways. Like, I've coped by, <laughs> in my depression, I was binging TV. Um, so that wasn't helpful. But then I started, I picked up um, a paintbrush and some paint. And that, I swear to you, like, I'm not an artist at all. I'm not an artist. You're creative, though. I'm creative. I think everyone yeah. is, though. But I had this really ugly, like, frame that I brought, it wasn't even a frame, it was like um, this painting that I got from like a thrift shop, mm -hmm. and it was not a great painting, it was really kind of cruddy, and so I painted over it, 
and I just made my own creation and I kind of incorporated some elements that were already in the and it just just concentrating on something that wasn't my depression and how I was feeling and it was just me and the paintbrush felt so liberating that I was like wow. you recreated a positive experience exactly it was something not like it oh I go down oh yeah. I have to keep thinking about you know right it was uplifting exactly well I think I mean there's oh my gosh we would need another another uh, discussion (laughs) but I think the way that I can like condense it is there's two ways to look at how one is feeling so are you in immediate crisis and so for example after a heartbreak one needs immediate support to help deal with the loss the immediate loss maybe that loss is also triggering things from one's past but maybe after they get to a stable place where they're not grieving the immediate loss they can then process those past experiences so for me so there are two so depending on what the needs are so sometimes when people are really in a really depressed state and can't even function enough to do the things that will make them feel better then speaking to a professional more immediately or urgently, you know, with a sense of urgency, perhaps discussing medication management, that might make more sense, right? But again, perhaps that might not be a long-term solution. And so for those who are not necessarily at that point where they can, like me, I was still functioning, though I knew I was, this wasn't, it it felt awful to function the way that I did. It, It felt dysfunctional. It was like, how can anyone live like, keep living like this? So I knew, that I had to, there was a lot that I needed to process, but I still had wiggle room. Like I didn't, medication management wasn't an option for me because I wasn't in, at risk of hurting myself. I wasn't in that kind of space. Though I, you know, I was in a negative space, it, it wasn't at that point. So I could afford the time of doing therapy, of you know, going to yoga on a weekly basis, of trying, you know, implementing med- meditation into my life every morning positive affirmations i read i was a, I, I was a mad person i became an expert on myself because i told you i doubted i'm like yeah how is this how is any of this going to work well let me aggressively find out like i don't know that was i think that was um part of my resilience that's what really helped me because i really had moments of doubt and I held on to this part of me that was like, well, I still, I need to, I need to know that I exhausted everything to, to be able to de- debunk this. Yeah. And it was in that process of trying to debunk that I was able to really, really uh, let go and, and process and heal and really find myself. And it, that sounds kind of corny because I think that our whole life is about finding ourselves, but it was like, it got me to that point in life where I needed to be, which is right now. Awesome. So. That, that was beautiful, <laughs> what you just said. Um, Aw, amiga. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to end this on a little funny note. Sure. Um, so the third time I went to therapy was mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., and I was in a relationship that wasn't healthy, and I thought um, that a lot of my unhappiness was because of myself, and it wasn't because of the other person mm-hmm. um and so I was I was like there's something wrong with me because I'm having such a good time in this relationship um and there's so many problems that are coming up it's all my fault so I started going to therapy because I thought there was something wrong with myself what did you discover <laughs> what did I discover was 
that my therapist would fall asleep during my sessions. <laughs> yeah, she did. Um, I'm not going to shout Wait, out. Wait, for real? For real, for real. <laughs> this lady, like, I would be talking and, like, you know, like, looking up to the ceiling and talking and talking. And then I would look over and her eyes would be closed. <laughs> and not, like, in, like, a thoughtful, like, my eyes are closed. I'm thinking about oh something. It was, gosh. like, my eyes are closed. I'm asleep. That's not good. So, I, I, I stick I stuck with it for a couple months because she wait, actually, wait, you st- I did, I know, even though she used to fall asleep during my sessions and only because like when she would be awake, she had like really good gems to say and she like validated how I was feeling. Um, well, I guess that was a trade-off. I, I mean, guess it was a trade-off, yeah. but for the listeners out there, if you need to go seek therapy or any kind of assistance from the outside world um the professional world the professional well world. that's one form i mean for others who are you know seeing a pastor seeing you know exactly. there's so many it, I sh- I sh- it's not just the professional world but yeah. it's people who are experienced people who are experienced people who are open to just listen yeah. um and have a listening ear and um people who you know are not gonna pass judgment they're of just course. there to just be there as like you get your stuff off your chest and you, they're just there to open up their ears. They might not even comment. They're just letting you yeah, like spill it off your chest. Um, but yeah, with that being said, it, depression is, is a taboo because why do you think? Well, I think one, there's not enough information out there, even in the um, scientific world. Mental health is a new, it's a very new field compared to all the different, uh, fields yeah and we're learning i mean the human mind is so complex the human body is so complex we can't i don't think we'll get all the answers i don't know in my lifetime i don't think we will but um i think it's a taboo discussion because people are afraid of being vulnerable it takes a lot of courage to ask for support and to recognize that one needs support. We weren't taught, I mean, it's a taboo because it goes against everything you're taught of how to live life. Yeah. So it's a it's a taboo, but it's if we stay in that taboo state of mind, then we perpetuate the problem. In fact, we create the problem. So as, you know, I work with adolescents and I explain to them about, I contextualize so much I say, finding a therapist is like dating. You know, you're kind of checking them out. You know, is this somebody I want to be with? Do I want to make it official? Do it? And if not, that's okay. On to the next. It's okay. So, you know, it's not always the first. Maybe it takes a couple of dating experiences of trying. You know, for you, you you weren't bothered by the fact that your therapist (laughs) fell asleep. I know. He might have, but, you know, um... Or maybe it starts with first talking to the people in your circle that you can start to trust. Even yeah. though um, it seems hard, you'd be surprised how much just sharing some of that burden can be, we will get th- through this together, not just I, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I I couldn't have said it better myself, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Um, and with that being said, um, thank you so much, Virginia, for coming. Thank you. For um, we will me. hopefully have Virginia on future episodes, of not course. about depression, but about other taboo topics that you know that are out there in society that we want to demystify. So thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. It was an honor. So thank you to be uh, continued. Oh yes, most definitely. <laughs>